0: As we lift up our heads Would you meet us here As we call on your name, Jesus Come and meet us here We have come to this place To worship you, God of mercy and grace
1: your beautiful presence, oh your beautiful
0: presence let it flow, I'm white away every day
1: there's no other way oh God but the sacrifice of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus let's just take a moment and honor Him this is all about Him this is not about anything else your song if you've got a song like that song. Praise it. Praise the Lamb on the throne. Praise God. Praise, is right.
0: Praise is right. Pure and spotless right Pure and spotless
2: right
1: There's no sin that can separate us anymore. He's taken away our sin. Yep. It's,
2: all about you.
1: it's all about your presence, Lord. Overflow in this place. you, Jesus. Every nation and every soul was purchased by your blood. Jesus, we pray that we would be humble and we would forget our agenda and we would say, what are you all about, Lord? And this next song is about what he is about. This is what he's worth. This is his sacrifice. He didn't die so we would continue coming to services over and over. He died to release his presence into the world. And that's what we're here to do, Lord. Thank you.
0: Shed your blood and all the nations
3: 29th, 2010, my friend Mary had gotten me to a Randy Clark healing conference in High Point, North Carolina. Guys, it was really toward the end for me. Uh, Hospice had been called. I, I was progressive and terminal. My family had given away my winter clothes because they knew I wouldn't need them again yeah now I got to buy new ones yeah (laughs) that worked out (laughs) it took me forever to walk down to my seat and I was there for healing guys the Lord had it all planned out Mary asked friends mutual friends of ours to find get one of the leadership to pray for me and after he spoke that morning, Rodney Hoag took me into a side room and, with seven of my friends, prayed for me. And when he prayed, this, it, I describe it like golden hot chocolate. And since it happened to me, I get to tell you it was golden hot chocolate. <laughs> and it, it just went down. He called out my organs. And as he called them out, when he got to my lungs, my head no longer hurt. It was amazing. I lived in excruciating pain. I took 45 to 60 pills a day. The next morning, I took none. I had a pick line for four years. The next morning, no pick line. I got to come back and give my testimony for the very first time the next day. And the craziest part of this is, Rodney is not known for praying for healing. <laughs> he, he is probably the best deliverance teacher on the planet. He makes it simple he has authority and that he was a football player in college and he just kicks the demons out and he teaches us how to kick those demons out. Rodney has been a Baptist preacher in California and the Northwest for 32 years. He's been married to the most wonderful woman who it makes his ministry possible. Mary Beth, since 1978, 79. There you go. They just celebrated their anniversary last Thursday. I would like for you to welcome Rodney Hogue. Get on up here.
4: Let's see if I'm, yeah, here we go. You guys good? Still refreshed with a a month off? That's cool. Pastored on the West Coast for 32 years, as Susan said. I started doing a lot of uh, tra- traveling as I was pastoring, and if you do a lot of traveling, you know, <laughs> it doesn't always work out too well. We uh, we finally moved out of the pastorate a couple of years ago, and uh, moved back. Really, we we actually made this move. Back to Texas because God told us to uh, to honor our parents in this last season of their life. So we moved because based on family, not based upon ministry. It's the first time we ever did that. And in that move, we I become became a church member rather than a pastor, and uh, now I just travel. I'll head off to Mozambique on Tuesday. After I fly home tomorrow, I'm <laughs> back in California, so my travel schedule does get kind of kind of busy at times. But it's good to be here in Moravian Falls, and good to be with you guys. Well, have been all weekend. I've been kind of talking about freedom and deliverance, so I'm going to change gears for this morning. Going to some of my other passions that I have. You know, there's a part of your life that's not supposed to be shared with other people. It's a, it's a relationship that you have with the Lord and a secret history that you have with God. That it's your history. It's a, it's a hidden life and a secret life. You know, you, you don't have to share everything and you don't have to share all your encounters There's some things that god means just between you two that becomes a part of your your personal and your your hidden life your secret history that you have with him that it's and it's a great place because it's a place where he gives strength to the weary it's a place where he gives you direction for the day it's a place where he gives you strategy for the for the future And it's a place where he, well, it's a place where you access his mind. And it's going to be very important for us as we move into the day that we're moving into that you learn to access the mind of of the Lord. I have a a good friend of mine in the, I I was, I pastored for uh, 23 and a half years, (laughs) kind of got me there. Twenty-three and a half years in the San Francisco Bay Area, right on the, in the East Bay. And I, one of my friends that's in the South Bay has a, like an international ministry. Uh, he's from, originally from Argentina. His name is Ed Silvoso. And Ed, Ed he, what he does every year, he has like a conference where he gathers people who are actually changing their little worlds. And a transformation conference and and he tries to have it in places where transformation is like taking place and several years ago he was having it in hawaii you know and somebody you know from the church needed to attend the conference so i volunteered (laughs) i mean i had to really pray and labor over that decision i want you to know (coughs) So, so we're, we're we're in Hawaii, and uh, the conference is. You know, the first night we're having this dinner, and Ed pulls me aside and says, "Hey, come on, sit at our table." So I'm sitting at this table, and I'm meeting some of these people for the very first time. Just guys that are at the table, like, like the uh, you know the, the, the lieutenant governor of Hawaii at that time, and and then he introduced me to this guy who's a banker in uh, Elk River, Minnesota. And this guy, what happened? God had actually given this guy a download of how to developed this bank and it was one of the fastest in fact it was the fastest growing bank in the state of minnesota for a period of time and so he i mean god gave him an an understanding how to build this thing and put this thing together and it was actually a kingdom bank it was one in which he said well we it's the bank that prayed for people people would call the bank and they said is this the bank that prays for people and they said yes it is uh just hold on a minute and i'll 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 direct you to that person. And in that year they had led about eighty people to Jesus and seen over eighty people healed. It's pretty good for a bank. I mean that's better than a lot of churches, isn't it? And it's a bank. One of the guys at the table was the name his name was Francis Oda. His wife Carolyn. They were at the table. First time I got to meet him. Now Francis happens to be an architect, he, and he's an architect. He has this company that he, his firm that he actually owns, is in Honolulu. He's he lives in Honolulu. And what Francis was doing, uh, Francis, they actually have a specialty. They don't just design houses. They actually design cities. That's one of the specialties that they have. And so they were invited along with other groups that do the similar kind of design to Tahiti because Tahiti was having a kind of a competition where they gathered several firms and paid them to put together a design because they're wanting to build like a like a Waikiki beach similar to what's in Hawaii to attract tourism because tourism is probably some of the main dollars that comes in Tahiti so they had this competition that was going on and uh, so The the problem was, the week that they were supposed to all be gathering and begin to have this competition, Francis Oda, who also pastored a small Assemblies of God church in Honolulu, he couldn't make it because he had a set of special meetings going on that week that he had said way, way in advance and couldn't make that alteration. So what he did is that he showed up a week early. And uh, made arrangements to meet with the president, had an appointment with the president, and so he showed up a week early, and uh had this appointment with the president to show him his design. And so he 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 did and the and the, the president looked at it, said it said it's really nice, and then the president said, Well, I'll I'll enjoy, you know, seeing it with everybody else's next week. And of course that's when Francis basically said, Well, the reason I'm here is because I'm not gonna be here next week. And, the implica- and basically the president was like, in his language, almost implying, well, you know, you don't have much of a chance if you're not going to be here. Because he didn't quite really understand why in the world would he miss this opportunity to go do something in a church. So, but they liked each other and they were talking in there and, and he was showing him this big map, you know, where everything's going to be going. And he said, here's the problem. We got this one space on the island that I don't know what to do with. You know, and he, he he had some ideas and he was sharing his ideas and he said, but the problem is the traffic. We can't figure that thing out, how to work this thing out. And so Francis said this, well, why don't you do something else? And he threw out this idea of building this multicultural center. The president loved it. His wife loved it. He said, this is amazing. That, that sounded like a great idea. And, of course, the president said, w- w- would you mind if we told everybody, like, it was my idea? He goes, no, that's okay, that's great. And he said, you know, and he got this, 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 this traffic problem here, too, you know. And, and so anyway, he said, he, he told Francis, he said, why don't, hey, why don't you, do you think you might be able to draw something up for me? Just kind of maybe a, a general design. And he said, yeah, I think I might be able to do that. He said, well, well, well Good. Uh, you know, so Francis, you know, give me a few days and, I, and I'll, I'll put something together. He said, okay. In the meantime, he enjoyed having it in the fellowship so much. He invited Francis to dinner. And there they are, they're having dinner one night and enjoying, you know, a lot of people are at this dinner and they're enjoying dinner. And then somebody at the table has some sort of an episode, like a seizure or something. I don't know what happened. All I know, they, they fell out of there and they're on the floor. And Francis, you know, runs around from the other side and just, just speaks the name of Jesus over this person. And all of a sudden, they recover. And everybody goes, how did you do that? He goes, I mean, it wasn't me, really. It was, it was Jesus. So anyway, now Francis has to come up with the design for this thing. And he didn't know what he was going to be doing. He said, And what happened, he was swimming in the ocean. He was swimming in the ocean when all of a sudden he got a download of blueprints of what this thing would look like in his mind. How many know, how many have heard God speak to you when you're doing brain dead activities? Okay. In the shower, you know, things like that, right? It's like he just likes to talk. <laughs> So anyway, it came to his mind, what, he, ran, he ran out and he took a stick in, he, in, in his finger and he began to draw what was in his mind into the sand. Got his staff to come, they were taking pictures of this thing and they began to draw something up. Called the president up and says, Hey, listen, we have something that ranges a time. And then the morning that he was coming, the president calls him up and says, Hey, I know we're going to meet in a, in a few hours here, do you think you might be able to address the traffic problem we were talking about? He goes, well, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an engineer, so I couldn't really tell you, but if, you know, I'll, I'll try. So he shows up, shows the, what he drove, you know, had drawn up. They loved it. They were excited about the, his president's wife, she was ecstatic. Oh, this is the greatest thing. And and then he said, how about that traffic problem? He said, well, this is what I came up with. And he showed him the traffic solution that he came up with. And the president got mad. We have been paying those 13 French engineers all of this money for the last seven months to come up with a solution. And this guy comes up with it in a couple of hours. Because he had his head engineer looking at this. He said, what do you think? And he said, I think it'll work. And Francis said, listen, I'm telling you, it was all Jesus. It wasn't me. Jesus gave that to me. He showed this to me. It was all Jesus. Well, before he left to go back to his place, he had led the president's wife to the Lord and led some of his staff to the Lord. And then a few weeks later, guess who called him on the phone? The president called him on the phone and said, Will you tell me how I can know this Jesus? Leads him to the Lord and then baptizes him in the presidential swimming pool. And guess who got the $9 billion project? We're moving into an age, into an era where God is going to be releasing significant downloads to address the problems that the world is in. To give heavenly solutions, heavenly blueprints, heavenly strategies. He is releasing the wisdom of God. And what he is doing, he is sovereignly, divinely positioning people like Joseph in the Old Testament like Daniel to bring influence with those who are the decision makers to bring the kingdom of God I think I think everything God has called you to do you can find on a can of WD40 If you just look at the front of the can with the different things that it says, it says one thing it cleans and protects. So whose job is to do that? Whose God, I mean, whose job is to clean, to bring righteousness and holiness? Who's the one who's going to be providing the protection, you know, against the forces of of evil? You know, it says it displaces moisture. The moisture is the corrosive element. So what's going to be displacing that which corrodes? It says it loosens rusted parts. The systems of this world are broke. They need fixing. They need divine heavenly solutions. They lubricate. They keep things running smoothly. had a guy in my church uh, in california who worked for the internal revenue service how many know that's a very dysfunctional system (laughs) i'm telling you uh it was he he, you know he said listen i don't know much about databases I, i just don't know anything about it he says but god was giving me solutions And I was putting together solutions that even the people who knew databases were amazed at. He said, I was fixing things that were broke because God gave me solutions. He said, I don't even know how how to do this stuff, but God was giving me things and I was using it. What did it do for him? It got him promotions. His places of influence increased because he had solutions from above to fix things. And that actually increases his places of influence. We, we, we've had a lady that's been with us all all week long, uh or all weekend long that that's that that came here for the basically and she was a part of the conference here. And I'm not gonna kind of point her out at all, but you know, she God has put her in a place of government within our national government. And what she does she do? She just Brings the kingdom, helps people fix marriages, sets them free. People of influence, where she works, are experiencing the kingdom of God. Those who are, who are the decision makers. See, God is, God is putting us and positioning us into places so that the world can experience the wisdom of heaven. You see the world is drawn to the wisdom of God they become you know captivated by his wisdom let me just we're gonna look at a lot of scripture today okay is that okay we're gonna do it anyway whether it's okay or not (laughs) so anyway just you know in the book of 1 Kings chapter 10 it's the story of Bathsheba and in this story of Bathsheba it it, it says this uh, in that 10th chapter now when the queen of Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. She came to test him with difficult questions. I mean, she came loaded for bear. I got all of the. I mean, she just kind of loaded up the most difficult questions that she could come up with. And she's going to see, is this guy for real for what she's heard? She came to Jerusalem with a very large retinue, with camels carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. And Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king which he did not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba perceived all of the wisdom of Solomon... The house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters and their attire, his cupbearers, his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. Totally captivated. Totally captivated by the wisdom of God. And it wasn't just... The answer to the questions, I mean, she was seeing how he ran his household and how he he just built the building and all. I mean, she was even down to the smallest thing. And she said this, nevertheless, I did not. I did not believe the reports until I came and My eyes had seen it and behold, the half was not told me you exceed in wisdom and prosperity. The report which I heard. Blessed be the Lord, your God, who delighted in you to set you on the throne. This verse nine Set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. The world is hungry for the wisdom of heaven, for the wisdom of God. And whenever the wisdom of God gets displayed, the world becomes drawn to that heavenly wisdom. They're captivated by it, drawn to it. Basically, their hearts are melted by it. And they're like, they're in like this awe and wonder, like, how did you do that? How did you know that? Where did you get that? And we're moving into this season where God is is beginning to, to give major downloads of his wisdom. And we need to be in position in order to receive it. The new, in the, I'm going to look at read uh, First 1 Corinthians, First Corinthians 2 in the New Living Translation. I'll be in that translation for the rest of this. Verse 9 says, and this is what the scripture means when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You hadn't seen it, you hadn't heard it, you can't even comprehend all that God has for you. I mean there is there is a measure of, of God that, that He's wanting to download to you that you I mean it it would blow you away. Now I think I think I can imagine a lot. <laughs> but God says no, you don't you don't you can't even comprehend what's out there what you can walk in, what's available to you. Verse 10 For we know these things because God has revealed them to us by His Spirit, and His Spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. You see, God wants to reveal to us the secrets of heaven the things that are hidden from the world, but the things that are available to us. Verse 11. No one can know what anyone else is thinking except the person alone. And no one can know God's thoughts except his own spirit. Verse 12. And God has actually given given us his spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. I don't want to focus on that word freely. In other words... It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you deserve. It's not, okay, well, if I become mature enough or righteous enough or if 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 I can just do this and basically, you know, somehow I can earn, you know, because I become spiritual enough, maybe if I arrive at this level of spirituality, then all of a sudden God will give this to me. But this says he freely gives it. It's not earned, it's given. We just need to be positioned so we can receive it. Verse 13. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the Spirit, using Spirit words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't Christians, they can't understand these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the spirit can understand what the spirit means. So in other words, this measure of revelation only comes to those people who have his spirit. The, to those who are his children. For you see, whenever you received his spirit, what you also received, you received a A spiritual receiver and a spiritual interpreter of the things of God. For those who don't have a relationship with God, you're missing that piece of equipment. You don't have the receiver and the interpreter because that only comes when you have the Spirit of God. But we have the Spirit of God. 15 says in 16... We who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand us at all. How can they? For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give him counsel? But we can understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. You see, the mind of Christ is your inheritance, it belongs to you, it's yours. It's yours. And so the question we come up with then, okay, if I have the mind of Christ and, and and he's basically going to make all these things known to me, what can I do to walk in it? Because some of us may say, well, so far I haven't gotten much of that, but I would like to have that. So are there things that we can do in order to position us so that we can be in this place that our spiritual... Intene can receive and interpret the things of God, the, the mind of Christ, and just basically display as we receive the wisdom of heaven. And where we begin is that we begin the way that Jesus began, because he modeled that for us. In fact, Jesus modeled it by pursuing his own secret life with the father. He had a life with the Father that he did not share with his disciples. It says in the book of Mark, chapter 135, the next morning Jesus awoke along with long before daybreak and went out alone into the wilderness to pray. You see, what Jesus would do, he would arrange his day in such a way so that he could be undisturbed from any distraction, go out and spend the time with the Father and have this this relationship with the Father, hearing from the Father, being refreshed from the Father, getting everything he needed from the Father. Because Jesus played by the rules of humanity, as you recall. He became man and lived as a man. Obedient to the Father, lived by a model life in the Spirit, showing us how to do that. And he modeled having a life that has time in it that I set aside to be undisturbed, to not be distracted, to spend time with the Father. Now, I ask you... If it was important for the Son of God to do this, like how much more is it important for us? In the book of Mark, chapter six, Jesus had just got through feeding the five thousand. And look what happened here. Mark chapter six, verse forty-four says, Five thousand had eaten from those five loaves. Then verse 45, immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and head out across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home and afterward he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Now, it says he made his disciples get in the boat and go. I I can just see this. Okay, guys. uh, You guys need to get in the boat and go on over there. They're thinking, well, okay, like, so how are you going to get over there? Listen, the father has it handled, okay? Get in the boat and go. Well, no, that's okay. We can wait for you. Get in the boat. <laughs> okay, okay. You don't have to keep telling us. They get in the boat and they go. Tells the crowd, you guys can go home. He goes up to the, to the hills to pray. And I I could imagine his first question is, how am I going to get to the other side? (laughs) Of course, it is a few verses later that we find him walking on the water. (laughs) The father had a plan. But that just tells me his priority. And basically, I think if, if you set this time aside, who knows? When you're going to be walking on the water? (laughs) We know he had some pretty amazing quiet times. We got a we we didn't get a clue into all of them, but you know the one that were that was the Transfiguration. Ooh, boy, that was a good one. (laughs) We got a little insight into that one. I wonder how many of those he had all the time. But you see, he had it was this secret life, this secret history that he had with. The Father, that was his first priority of his life. And that actually becomes the springboard for the rest of his life. And then when he's beginning to, to instruct his disciples, he begins to basically tell them that, you know, that because they modeled this too, because they spent time with Jesus that not everybody else got to spend. Their own times with him that the rest of the world was not privy to. And it's in those personal times with Jesus that Jesus would freely explain the things of heaven. Mark chapter 4, later in the latter part of that chapter, verse 33 and 34, it says, Jesus used many stories and illustrations to to, to teach the people as much as they were able to understand. In fact, in his public teaching, he taught only with parables, but afterwards, he was When he was alone with his disciples, he explained the meaning to them. You see, Jesus had this inner circle. And there's those that he explained. Previous in that chapter, chapter 4, verse 11. He said to them, you are permitted to understand the secret about the kingdom of God. But I'm using these stories to conceal everything from outsiders. In other words, guys, you get to know the inside scoop. You have the inside story. You have the fullness, the the secrets of all of the kingdom of God. Everybody else, they they get it cloaked. They they, they get a partial. But you guys, you get get the inside stuff of the kingdom of God because you were in my inner circle. And because you're in my inner, inner circle, you get all of the inside scoop. And guess what? Guess who's in the inside circle? we are we are in jesus's inner circle where he wants to explain to us the deep secrets of heaven the things of his kingdom the things that's been withheld from the world but things that he wants to freely give us now what we need we need to position ourselves to be able to receive that and And later on in that book of Mark, chapter 4, he actually explains how to increase revelation. Verses 21 through 25. Now, sometimes we look at verses 21 and 22, and we go, I don't know if it's talking about revelation, but when we read 23, 24, and 25, we go, okay, he's talking about revelation, because he's going to talk about the one who has ears, let him hear, right? He's, he's going to talk about Revelation, but he proceeds that in verse 21 and 22 when he's talking about Revelation using the this story and the principles of a lamp. See, 21, he, he, he asked his disciples this question, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed or shut out the light? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. Everything that is now hidden or secret secret will eventually be brought into the light. So he's given us the principle how revelation comes. Revelation comes because the light of the Lord comes into our life And we have his lamp, the light of the Lord in our life, and he has this revelation. We have this lamp that he comes into our, that comes into our light. And in this place where that lamp is there, it shines on everything. Nothing is withheld. And therefore we're able to see the things of God. But when the lamp comes into the room, it does not discriminate on what it shines on. And that becomes the problem. (laughs) You see, he talks about, okay, you can put the basket on it. You can put something to shut down the light, but we don't bring the lamp in to shut down the light. We bring the lamp in to let it fully shine. Because it's going to shine on everything. That's what, you know, that's what it says. Everything that is now hidden or secret will be, eventually will be brought to the light. So it shines on everything. And so, so here's the issue. We like. I want the fullness of the revelation of God. I want that. I, ooh, I want the good, the, all the good stuff that God has to give me and show me. Things that will astound the world, man. I'm all in for that. And, and can we have this light just shine one direction? Because I got this corner back here that I have been hiding stuff. And I really don't want that stuff to come to the light at all. I'm actually kind of piling this stuff in this corner here. And and, and like I don't want to deal with it, talk about it. I don't even want to acknowledge that it's even here. So can we just have like a spotlight that just goes in this direction over here. And let me get all of this stuff and then we can keep this corner dark. But it doesn't work like that, does it? Because as the light turns up, everything gets exposed. You can't have the fullness of the revelation of God and keep your dark corner. And you may not realize this, but you have the dimmer switch in your hand. How much are you putting it, your basket over that lamp? See, we don't realize the, the how much revelation I want is going to be dependent on how well and how much I want his light turned up in my life. Because you can't have a fullness of revelation and then keep the dark corner. So what happens, we begin to turn up the light to a certain point, and all of a sudden that gets, oh no, it's coming out. So then we just turn it a little bit back down. (laughs) And we learn to live at lower levels of revelation. Because we're not letting the light shine on everything. So actually, we get to determine how much revelation we walk in. But by how willing you are to let the light fully shine. Now what happens, we go, okay, what's going to happen if that dark corner gets lit up? And a lot of us, we're in in fear. But you don't need to be afraid. You see, everything in there, it's already been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. We just need to apply the cross to what's, what's, what's there. You see, some people hang on to that stuff because it's in the dark corner, not realizing, well, all, if you bring that to Jesus, he will actually disarm and disable that because it's already bought and paid for. And by the way, you do not have permission to ever look at your past apart from the, from the cross of Jesus. You got to look at it through the eyes of the cross. And whenever you whenever whenever light comes in it you will have to deal with it by the way you will have to but you know he's not going to embarrass you he's not going to humiliate you he's not going to make you you know and come up and announce it to the church you know you don't have to cast your pearls before swine he's not going to basically humiliate you and, and crush you and condemn you he's going to meet you with the cross with which basically is his love and some of you, you, you know, if some of you, what you need to do, some of you might just need to find some spiritual mamas and papas just to go talk to. People who love you, that you know that they love you. Find those people in your, in your life and go if you need them to walk you through it, if you don't know what to do. But you've got to let them have access to the corner. Because he wants you to walk in the fullness of his revelation. He wants you to turn on the light. Turn the dimmer switch up. It's in your control. How much, how much revelation do you want? You see, the areas that we hide in darkness... Understand this. Those will be the areas of your future defeat. Your greatest defense against the schemes of the devil is to have an open, honest heart before God. What you keep in secret, the enemy will try to use to take you out. And the, what you are able to deal with in that place, in the hidden life, actually, will position you to walk in the fullness of the life that is seen before other people. Verse 23, 24, and 25 is the key to how to turn, on, turn up the lamp, the lamp of revelation. Verse 23, here again, the New Living Translation. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. And be sure to pay attention to what you hear. The more you do this, the more you will understand, and even more besides. You see, see, if you're willing to hear, you will hear. It begins, are you willing to hear? Are are, Are you willing to hear? Now, I remember when I was young, I, was asked, I asked my godly mother, I said, now, you know, mom, how, how can I know what God wants me to do in my life? So she asked me a question. She said, are you willing to do anything God asks you to do? And I said, of course Not. I didn't want to go to be a missionary to Africa or China or something like that. You know, I, there's a lot of things I didn't want to do. I wasn't willing to do everything. And then she said, you know, I think when you're willing to do anything, he might tell you. In other words, I think your, your willingness to obey might be tied to your, willing, your, your capacity to hear. If anyone's willing to hear, you should listen. And if you can hear, you will understand. Because he's given you that, that spiritual receiver and interpreter of the things of God. You will understand. So pay attention to what you hear. And then he basically says this, that this habit will actually... Position you to receive more. In other words, the more that you hear, the more you will hear. The more you hear, the more you will hear and the more you will understand. So actually, you know, as you, the more you hear, the more you will hear. And you get into this habit then all of a sudden the dimmer switch is getting turned up and it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. This is the key to the dimmer switch basically coming into its highest, brightest setting. The more you do this, the more you will hear, the more you will have. Matthew 6, 6, let me just kind of read that before I go on. It says, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father secretly, and then your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. It's something about spending that time with them in secret that positions me for the rest. Because, you know, I don't always receive all my revelation in my time with the Father. I mean, I get together my quiet time. I mean, I think I've had the record for some of the most driest quiet times in the world. You know, I mean, those times with the Lord, you know, sometimes they're really good. And sometimes it's like, you know, what just happened here? You know, why did I even do this today? You know, but you know, it's part of this building, this relationship. You know, it's kind of like any relationship, right? You have good times and you have dry times, you know, I mean, just the way it works. And so, you know, you, but I spend time with God and I find out that... On the times that I'm meeting Him consistently into the secret place and having this connection with Him into the secret place, that it is throughout the day that I find myself coming into places of revelation and understanding. What I need for the day, what I need for the moment, the downloads of heaven. So the more you do this, the more you will have. That's what verse 24 says. Says, And then the beginning of verse 25 says this. To those who are open to my teaching, the more understanding will be given. But then he says this in the latter part of that 25th verse. But to those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. You see, in this particular area... You cannot plateau in receiving revelation. Either you are going up or you are going down. You don't get to plateau. And so what happens, man, I'm hungry for the things of God. I'm hungry for revelation. I want to know, you know, the things of heaven. I mean, God's speaking to me and all of a sudden revelation is coming and I'm turning up my little, my little uh, you know, dimmer switch here, you know, because I'm listening and I'm hearing and I'm obeying and I'm doing everything. And all of a sudden the light gets turned up to a point that all of a sudden stuff back here gets exposed. Can't have that. Right, we'll turn that back down a little bit, and then I so then I get to place. Okay, I'm happy with this level of revelation I'm on right now. Okay, and and what has happened as you've moved up, you have learned the language of walking in revelation. You know what it looks like. You know what it sounds like. You can talk. You can talk the level of revelation because you've been you've had it from now, and so now you've moved up to here, and now you can have a conversation on the level of receiving revelation. But you're not really receiving any new revelation. You're talking about past stuff and your experience with the past, not current. And the words you're giving to people are actually words of the past, not words of the present. Because you're actually losing ground, not gaining ground. And one day, everybody around you will figure that one out. because you you can't plateau. We're moving into an age into a season where God will be pouring out so much of the wisdom of heaven. Positioning people wherever God has put them in whatever system that they are in to bring his kingdom They may not be at the heads of places, but they will be of significance where God puts them. The systems of this world are broke. And he's going to be giving answers. And the wisdom of heaven will captivate the world. It will captivate the world around them. And maybe not everybody will come to know Christ, but they'll at least have a kingdom encounter and it it may or may not be with healing or deliverance they just had a kingdom encounter because god gave a divine solution to something that they go where did you get that in heaven will have just come to earth god has answers for every problem every situation everything that's going on every struggle every broken system in our government and in education In business, I mean, God has solutions, divine solutions. Some of them are just principles you just read in His Word and just walk and walk them out, and they'll come come to pass. And some of them He wants to speak very specifically about what you need to do to impact the world that's around you. You got neighbors who have problems, and they're coming to you. What do I do? And God wants to give you solutions. Basically just to speak into their life, into their marriages, into their families, into their children. You are the answer that the world is looking for. And you say, oh, I thought that was Jesus. It is. You (laughs) are the answer because of who you carry. Who you're... One with, who is inside of you and part of you. Listen, whenever you display that wisdom, that is the mind of Christ being activated and being released. And now they've just had a God encounter and didn't know it. And then that gives you an opportunity to let them know the power that was behind that. And you testify of the greatness of God. He has wanted to use you to do that. He has singled you out, every one of you, to be a recipient of heavenly downloads, of heavenly wisdom. He gives it freely. So position yourself to receive it. I mean, get your your satellite receiver pointed at the satellite, <laughs> at the Lord, so you can receive the signals of heaven and just wow the world with His goodness and His, and his greatness. I was just taking note of the songs that we love, the songs we're singing about the nations. You know, some of us think God's just going to come and just hit them with a hammer and they just go, oh yeah. But you know, a lot of it's going to come and not to say that God doesn't do that or won't do that. I'm just saying that a lot of what God is going to be doing is going to be shaking things up to make, he's going to be shaking the things up. So that he can, those people who have the goods can come up and share that. He's shaking loose those guys who don't have answers to make room for those who do. A lot of the shaking we're experiencing is for that purpose, to make room for those who carry the wisdom of heaven. Will you step up to the call? I guess that's the question, huh? I guess the first thing we have to ask this uh, is we're going to move into some ministry time in just a moment. Perhaps you're, you're here today and you say, well, you know, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And because you don't have a relationship, you don't have any equipment. You don't have the right equipment. You don't have that spiritual receiver and interpreter. And the things of God, you can't know. They're going to be confusing to you. You're going to be in a cloud and be foggy and not understand. And it's not going to become clear because you don't have the equipment. But the invitation to you today is that we can fix that problem real quickly. If you'd be willing to invite him into your life to be your king. To have all of your life. He'd love to have you in the family of God. In fact, that's the reason you're here today. Because he's been pulling and tugging on you to make that commitment to him. The other issue is, what's in your corner? Will you let him have it? It's a good day to give it to him. It's a good day. Just to see the, everything in that corner through the eyes of the cross and let him disable that and disarm that so it does not pull on you anymore. You'll have to deal appropriate with that stuff. You might have to do something. You might have to, you know, reconcile, forgive. I mean, you might, there's some things you might have to do. You might even have to do some payback, or, you know. But whatever, he, he, whatever you have to do, is, it will be worth it. It will be worth it. So are you willing to let him have access to the corner? And with some of you, you might have even gotten out of the habit of that secret place with the Lord. And he's knocking at your door to to say, listen, come back. Come on back. Put me back in there. I've I've been waiting to meet with you. So maybe today is the day that you say, okay, Lord. Let's crank that habit back up. Let's crank it back up. And spend that time with Him. Position yourself to receive the fullness, the fullness of what He would like to download to you. So this is, why don't you just bow your heads. And let me pray for you and then I'll turn over to the pastor. Lord, I thank you that you desire, you really do desire, to unload on us more than we can think or comprehend, more than our eyes can see, ears can hear, that our brain can really wrap around. Lord, you you just desire for us to live in a friendship with you. Father, just like Psalm 25, 14, that says, Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear Him. With them, He shares the secrets of His covenant. And God, we want to be in that place where where we are experiencing the fullness of what You would like for us to walk in and impact the world that's around us. We want to walk in that. So, Lord, anybody who's here who's not in your kingdom, Lord, just start pulling and tugging on their heart right now. Don't let them leave this place without knowing you. Don't let them leave this place without making a commitment to you. And if you're one of those people, people will be here to pray for you and pray with you in a moment. And, Lord, for those who are just, like, frozen in fear, Because what's in the corner, Lord, I ask for an impartation of your love that they will know how much you love them and that you're so full of mercy and so full of grace that you will walk with them to clean up what's in the corner. They were not alone. And you've given them relationships Lord that'll even walk with them as they just deal with that stuff and get it out of the corner and I ask for an increase of passion for the things of heaven it's not wrong to desire the fullness of God's revelation and you want There's so much you want to give us that it's not even on our radar. And it's of you. So increase that passion and increase our revelation. Increase our understanding. Increase our understanding of our place and our role in what you're doing in the here and now. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you.